0: I'm Kevin Price. This is The Price of Business. Kurt Norquist is continuing his ongoing series of The Digital Matrix, his interviews with some of the most important people in technology. We love this series. We're glad that it's a part of USA Business Radio. Mm -hmm.
1: Hello and welcome to today's show. You are listening to The Digital Matrix, where Kurt talks to some of the brightest minds in the industry about the most advanced technology IT solutions available today to help your business thrive.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by General Data Tech at www.gdt.com. You can also email the show at podcast at gdt.com. And now, to start the show from his secret podcast studio in City Center in Houston, Texas, here's your host, Kurt Nordquist. Thanks for joining us on the show today. I'm your host, Kurt Nordquist, Executive Director of Global Alliances at GDT. Glad to have you back with us here on the Digital Matrix. We finished Season 1 a little over a month ago, and Season 2 is now underway, this being the first show. We are now in the first week of August, August 4th to be exact. There are some interesting things that have happened in technology history around this time of year. Back in... 1995, a computer shuts down the space shuttle. Only a few seconds before ignition, the computer halted an engine test in preparation for the launch of the space shuttle Discovery. The shuttle's engine computerized controllers had determined that a valve was not closing fast enough and sent a major component failure command from the computer to all three engines, telling them essentially not to fire. The test and computer system were part of NASA's efforts to ensure the safety of Discovery, whose flight would have been the first since the Challenger explosion in 1986. Also in 1977, Radio Shack announced the TRS-80 computer. This was the company's first personal computer, and quite frankly, that was the one I learned on back in junior high school. Believe it or not, I think we called them the Trash 80s back then. Now, these were equipped with four kilobytes of RAM cassette tape storage, and a built-in basic interpreter. It was one of the first mass-marketed PCs, along with the Commodore PET and the Apple II. Now, you look all the way back to 1873, and you would see that San Francisco had begun operation of the Clay Street Railroad, making it the first cable car in San Francisco's now-famous cable car system. And that's today's look back in tech history. Now, let's get the show started. Juniper Networks, headquartered in Sunnyvale, California, is a multinational corporation that develops and markets networking products, including routers, switches, network management software, network security products, and software-defined networking technology. They have had tremendous success recently with the acquisition of Mist Systems back in 2019 to bolster its software-defined enterprise portfolio and multi-cloud offerings. Now, today's guest on The Digital Matrix is Mark Thames, Director of Global Partner Business Development at Juniper Networks. He's going to talk with us today about the missed acquisition, AI-driven enterprise, what exactly is that, and then something about this thing called Marvis. So, Mark, thanks for visiting us here and uh, being on the show today. Really appreciate you taking your time. So, Mark, you know what I have standing in my office? It's, it's an absolutely gorgeous Juniper Networks Partner of the Year Award for Cloud Ready Data Center given to us here at GDT oh, just about a couple of months ago. It's quite the eye-catcher. We're certainly proud to have been given this distinction, so thank you very much.
1: Absolutely. Definitely well-earned.
0: So, Mark, we have seen tremendous change in technology. I mean, it just keeps your head spinning trying to keep up with it. How have network requirements changed over the last three to five years?
1: Well, if you think about networking in general, it's absolutely a critical infrastructure component if you think about this you know a lot of the largest companies we use today would not exist without a network think about it google amazon facebook you know netflix think about all those different companies don't work without a network but then you look at the rest of everything we do with our everyday lives they also require a network you know you have your schools you have your universities your retail think about life-saving equipment and hospitals those connect to a network But what happened is a couple things changed over the last few years in the way we access these networks. It used to be you'd go into a corporate building or a school and you would be local in their local area network and plug in or connect to their wireless and use the network. And then all of a sudden a pandemic happened, right? What happened? Everybody went home, everybody's working from home. But even before that, as a lot of applications and things that we use for our daily work and lives moved into the cloud, it changed, it's not hosted at a company anymore. Some, some are still, but for the most part, a lot of the things we use every day and a lot of the tools we use are cloud hosted. People are accessing them from mobile devices, they're accessing them from their homes, uh, all over the place. So because of this, we had to fundamentally rethink the way networks were designed and built and managed to provide a better experience for those using the, these critical networks.
0: So lots of change. You gave a few examples right there, Mark. What would you say are the most critical requirements needed for companies and customers to adapt to this change?
1: Well, it really starts with the network has to be up, assurance, right? You know, when the network goes down, that's when problems happen. Business stops, things stop. You know, even a school stops when the network goes down, right, due to the way, you know, students access things. So business critical services, they require this predictable service through these networks that are up and running that gives a good experience. So that's the first thing. The second thing is really insight. You have to be able to see what's happening in your environment, in your network. And before, it was a lot of third-party expensive hardware and software tools uh, that could give you some insight. But really, we had to make it proactive to where we can provide a better experience for those utilizing the network or if they're having a problem getting help with it and also those managing the network, deploying the network, troubleshooting the network, upgrading the network. So up is not the same as good. You can have this, a video call, and you, you can be connected because the network's working. However, if there's problems within that network, that call might not look very good. Well, how do you find that problem? You do that through insights. You do that being able to see what's happening in your network proactively. The third thing is automation. You know, machines should configure machines. You know, these networks are huge. They're mission critical. They're very, very large in some cases. And they've been very difficult to manage, right? So automation is using things like AI, uh, using things like microservices to be able to automatically upgrade things to where we could be more efficient in the way that we use our networks. So that's absolutely critical. And I'll give you some examples later of how we're doing some of those things. And then finally is relevance. You know, the network is not just connectivity anymore. There's so many things you could do now, now with our networks, including like Bluetooth, you know, low energy for indoor location services. Things where you can create business outcomes based on how you're utilizing your network to enable your business. It could be something as simple as as a, as a school district taking attendance, or you know, having first responders be able to visibly see where everyone is. It could be retailer experiences by improving their customers' experience by giving them things that they can integrate with their applications. To, to do things that give a customer a better experience to get them to go to their their company's stores versus somebody else so all these things are absolutely critical that are, that are some of the things that we've had to actually implement to adapt to the changing times that our networks demand of what we have now
0: and you're talking about adapting lots of companies are consolidating they're bringing in other technologies to give their portfolio to be a little bit more well-rounded to address these changes, and then we see Juniper acquiring MIST systems in 2019, just a part of that effort that I was just talking about. What can you tell us about MIST, and why was this such a strategic acquisition for Juniper?
1: So MIST uh, was created um, by uh, actually Bob Friday and Sujay Hagella. Bob Friday actually invented wireless, which is great, Uh, but they created MIST because they knew they had a problem uh, with being able to, give those things I talked about, insights, being able to be proactive, to provide a better experience. Networks didn't change for a long time. They, they had the same architecture for many, many years. Uh, but they knew of what they were doing wasn't working. So they decided to start with a clean shade of paper. And they said, we have to rebuild this from scratch. They had to build it based on microservices architecture. Uh, they had to do things like put in the location services and patent that technology. Uh, They did things more importantly around AI and what gave them this idea was actually watching Watson, IBM's Watson, compete against Jeopardy champions and beating the Jeopardy champions, which is what gave them the idea that, hey, you could utilize AI to be able to have these networks be more self-sufficient and provide a better experience for everyone. So basically what happened was, in 2019, Juniper acquired MIST systems and one of the main key reasons why uh, missed, um, came and joined Juniper was because we're based on open standards. And you just mentioned previously in your comment that, you know, companies use a lot of different tools, a lot of different things. So the way we work with all these other tools on open standards made us a good fit because then we could utilize that technology and use it not just with our products, but with other products as well. So that's what happened. And what happened with Juniper is everybody saw Juniper as a service provider com- router company. And we really knew that, you know, we needed to get more into the enterprise and software and things like that. So what we did is the reason why Mist was also acquired was not because we needed wireless, which we did at the time, but it was for the AI, the Mist AI cloud platform. This is truly a platform that Juniper is now integrating all of our products into so that we can take advantage of the actions and the insights and the AI within the entire Juniper portfolio. So that was the reason why uh, we made this acquisition and believe it or not, this year, at least in Q1, um, Enterprise was the largest business segment of Juniper for the first time. And it's not slowing down. It's dramatic growth, and it has been just an amazing journey to be a part of, to see this, this uh, technology take off and be accepted in the industry.
0: So, Mark, artificial intelligence, machine learning, I mean, we hear about AI this, AI that, and sometimes maybe one of those up-and-coming overused taglines that companies say that they do, or Is Juniper providing real working AI in your products?
1: Uh, Absolutely. I mean, think of AI as a child learning a language. The older that child gets, the more languages it can learn, the more vocabulary it has, the more it can speak, the more languages it can learn. So the way AI does with machine learning is it takes a lot of data and analyzes that data to be able to find patterns and do things like that, but allows you to also be more proactive to solve problems. It really comes into handy with troubleshooting. You know, troubleshooting is one of the most stressful parts of a network engineer's job. Uh, but it helps with that to find needles in a haystack. Uh, it allows you to do a lot of other things. Uh, the most important thing to remember about AI is that Juniper's AI has actually been learning and working in production networks since 2016. So if you mentioned, okay, it's like a child learning a language, you know, there are a lot of people in the industry are following this, this model with AI. Ours is already six years old, Right so in production in some of the largest networks in the world including the largest network in the world continuously learning right and we're making a lot more adaptations to those products as well to get even smarter uh, but really it does work and what it does is it really provides a better experience to those using the network and those managing the network so definitely ai is here it's real you're using it every day in different things in your life you might not even realize it people don't even know that like elevators use ai Right. But we do have working AI and we've proven that. And one of the greatest things to do is do a proof of concept and a proof of value and try it. And you'll see that it actually does work.
0: So what is the AI driven enterprise exactly? I mean, can you describe
1: that for us? Yeah. So when we acquired MIST, uh, the first part of the portfolio was their wireless. Right. But the goal was to include the rest of the critical elements for campus and branch uh, into a single solution, which we call the AI driven enterprise. So this includes, obviously, wireless. It includes switching, like our EX line of switching um, and our QFX line of switching for campus and branch. It includes security, right, our branch SRX, as well as a lot of other security tools that are in there as a part of our connected security portfolio. And then also SD-WAN. We made an acquisition uh, of 128 technologies a couple years ago that we've integrated into the Misty Cloud and, quote, unquote, mystified it to make SD-WAN simpler, but then it also allowed us to add even more security things like SASE and CASB and other things to the AI-driven enterprise. But it's the overall suite uh, of products that for campus and branch uh, that, that allows you to have, you know, you can have a one-stop shop, what we call full stack, or you can utilize other, you know, sometimes people already have other equipment in, you need to work with that, it works with that as well.
0: So customers, you know, they're looking into doing more AI. There's lots of opportunity out there. There's there's all types of competitors trying to pitch the same thing. What are the key differentiators that Juniper's AI-driven enterprise can deliver to those customers? You had mentioned you had some examples. Could you share those with us now?
1: Absolutely. I think the first thing to think of what it really does is it completely flips how customers are supported up on its head. The traditional customer when they had a problem, A, was already frustrated, something doesn't work. Let's say you're trying to go into a uh, a school and you have a tablet. It can't connect. What do you do? You got to call the help desk. Then they got to go route that ticket to somebody. They got to try to figure out how to troubleshoot it. Uh, they got to figure out where the problem is and all that. Time that person's mad, upset, and can't get support. Uh, or if they do get support, sometimes it can take hours, it can take days to, to find the problem. Some of these problems are very complex. Um, you know, we had one customer that was troubleshooting a problem for three and a half years, could not find what was causing it because it was a needle in a haystack, and we were able to solve that problem in less than five minutes, right? We've had times where somebody makes a fat finger change. We had one instance uh, with with one of the largest companies in the world um, in their distribution warehouse where somebody made a wrong date and time in a Windows configuration, took them completely offline, uh, but we called them ahead of time. They didn't even know that there was a problem, and we solved it. But what does that do? It flips it on its head. So let's take it to where we do it now, which is okay, this user goes in, let's pick that same user that has that tablet that goes in and can't connect. Well, the AI can say, ooh, that user's having a problem. Let me go identify what that problem is. And then put in an action in proactively to where a lot of times the help desk or the network team or the wireless team who's getting these tickets, if the automation couldn't fix it itself, they now know exactly where the problem is. They can talk to the network. Uh, in plain language for use of troubleshooting and they can solve that problem a lot of times well before the user even knows they have a problem or has time to even get through the help desk phone system, right? So what it does is it really is about, we see on average about 90% reduction in tickets related to things like wireless and switching for the help desk. And that's dramatic because like I said, they have to be up, you have to have insight and you know, up is not the same as good to make sure somebody's having a good experience. And that's one of the main things it does the second thing that we've done uh, with this platform is with the bluetooth low energy and the location services this is a game changer because what it does is it gives these companies strategic business outcomes to where they can improve their profitability their experience to their customers health and safety i mean we have customers that use this for for covid for for contact tracing and user journey mapping Uh, but i can tell you it's the first time i've worked for a company where you have a capability with a platform and a product where our customers are the ones telling us new creative use cases on how they're using it. I've never seen that before. Uh, even that thing with the contact tracing came from a customer. We were able to automate that. Uh, and you and respect privacy in the same, same time because that's huge, right? So those are some examples of how we're fundamentally different.
0: You know, earlier you had mentioned Watson. And, and we've done some reading, and you and I talked earlier on the phone about Juniper's Marvis. Okay, so so who and what is Marvis? And is Marvis, you know, kin to Watson? I mean, is this that child learning that you were talking about earlier?
1: Yeah, so Marvis is what we call our virtual network assistant. And I love getting in front of groups of people and having them raise their hand if they have any virtual team members. And everyone raises their hand. And I say, no, I'm not talking about a human being working it from home. I'm talking about a non-human being that you can interact with, that can learn, that can be a member of your team. And that's who Marvis is. Right, and it's kind of funny because Marvis got his name because I think Bob was a huge Iron Man fan, and, and Iron Man's interface that he spoke with was Jarvis. So if you can remember Iron Man, you know Iron Man would talk to his house and things like that, and it would that's respond, right. similar like you do with with Alexa and Google Home, right? I can I can say Alexa, turn Mark chandelier on. I just talked to a light bulb. If I told you 10 years ago you could talk to a light bulb, you would say I was insane. So why can't you talk to your network? So that's what Marvis is. Marvis is the AI interface into visibility into the network. Marvis gives the actions. You can talk to Marvis. You can say, Marvis, show me my unhappy users. And Marvis will go not only show you those unhappy users, but Marvis will, in plain natural language, talk to you and say, hey, you can have a conversation. And here's what the problem is. Did that help? Did that fix it? Meaning Marvis can learn, right? So if it didn't fix the problem, Marvis gets even smarter uh, and can learn. And if you think about this, too, Marvis, especially in this day and age with how hard it is to find, you know, resources out there, you know, Marvis isn't going to quit on you, right? Works 24-7, you know, uh, is the number one fastest troubleshooter in the world. Good luck, just like the Watson beat the Jeopardy champion. Try finding it. You know, I'm sure there's some some high-level network engineers out there that would love to take a, take a go at Marvis, which would be great. But, you know, it's just using that AI, you have to be able to interface with it, right? So that, that that's who Marvis is.
0: Well, that's cool. And, and, and no sick days. Marvis doesn't need yep. to go to a beach a couple of weeks out of the year. Nope. Uh, I'm that's sure that demos very, very well. And, and one of these days, I'm going to have to see that. That, that, should be very, that. that should be fascinating. Well, hey, on this show, we talk a lot about different companies where specific products and solutions fit inside the Magic Quadrant. Can you tell me, where is Juniper's ranking in the Gartner Magic Quadrant for the products included in the AI-driven enterprise?
1: So, uh, we've been very fortunate um, with the products that we've, that we've uh, developed here. Um, it is now the top right leader of the leadership quadrant for wired and wireless for campus and branch. Um, that's no small feat. You know, Even two years ago, we were a niche player. And that when we fully integrated the MIST AI cloud into our product lines, we are now the clear defined leader on the very highest right hand of the major quadrant. And a lot of that's the ability to execute. It's the AI. It's the types of products that are assigned with this, the next generation type products, you know, with the wireless, the new AI, cloud delivered switching. It's just on a different paradigm, right? And so that's where Gartner has been, um, you know, been able to really put us up there because we, but we earned it, right? Uh, and we're very proud of that. And it's opened up a ton of doors and it really get people to really think, hmm, I might want to take a look at that. And definitely, you should definitely take a look at it.
0: Well, the proof is in the pudding, right? I mean, you just have to look at, well, for instance, I'll take GDT as an example. Our business, especially around MIST, absolutely exploded over the last several years. Well, hence, that's why we received the award. But the thing was, it was was customer-driven. They were very interested. They loved how the product showed. It solved the problems that they were trying to to fix. So, I mean, good on you.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Well, you know, we, we see some of the other issues that have come around, and it's not only geared towards it and and that i'm talking about the supply chain issues obviously we have uh, some of the 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 chips manufacturing that has become an issue we have some logistics there's the great resignation that has gone down over uh, the last several years how can juniper help solve some of these big challenges that cios and it leaders are having today
1: yeah, that's a great question because, I mean, if you talk to a lot of CIOs or IT leaders, these are some of their top two concerns, the obviously the supply chain and the great resignation. As we know, both of them impact all of us in the industry. It doesn't matter what company we work for. But there are actual advantages to using the AI-driven enterprise uh, based on the way we deploy, manage, and do things uh, with AI, with automation. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, a university very close to the GDT headquarters in the Dallas, Texas area, uh, was looking at a project to replace all 70 buildings on the campus with wireless. And they looked at it and they're like, okay, you know, they had two bids, one was us, one was a different company. And the different company was gonna take a little over a year to deploy 10 full-time engineers on site to deploy the project. Uh, Juniper actually won the, the actual project and we were able to complete it in six months with three engineers. And if you think about that, it's one thing with the supply chain where getting product delivered based on the type of product can be delayed, sometimes up to a year, right? So, it's all about what's been happening in the industry. It's like, well, I'm just going to buy whatever technology I can get delivered the fastest. But what's the most important thing? The most important thing is, when is it going to be completed, the project, and be in production to where you can use the equipment in your production environment? So, that's more important. So, if you think about, even if, let's say hypothetically, we were longer lead times by a couple weeks or even a month. If you're gonna deploy our products in half of the time with a third of the resources, that's pretty impressive. Now, you talk about the great resignation. You know, know, if you look at, okay, it's gonna take us 10 full-time engineers to deploy this over a year, or three, six months, I only gotta find three engineers to go do that, Um, so you get the project done faster. You know, MIT was a good example of that. I mean, they were able to deploy us in four months. When, you know, they were already halfway through six-month deployment of their other, their other deployment, they took that out and we completed our complete project with limited resources in just four months. So we got them up and running a lot faster. And then you take into account Marvis, right, trying to find a very expensive high-level, you know, CCIE, JNCIE-level type engineers, you know, the creme de la creme of the industry. They're, they're not that easy to find and they're not that, <laughs> they're pretty expensive, right? Uh, for good reasons. They're very talented. But being able to utilize Marvis allows a lot of industries who might not have the resources available to hire that caliber of an engineer to be able to have a team member at that caliber uh, as a part of their team, uh, which allows them to do that. And then the, finally, the other thing with this that's important is, you know, you used to have to learn full-blown operating skills systems and things like that to configure and manage networks not anymore we're all done through templates zero touch provisioning very simple to where you can utilize your team better of the of the people and engineers that you do have to be more productive and then on the operation side instead of troubleshooting and firefighting all the time they can then you know be more strategic do strategic projects you know we still have a lot of them they're learning how to do you know devops and, and create automation and further automation and tools and creative things with applications and and you know, location services. So it's really been a great way to better utilize the team and the staff that you have and also complete the projects a lot faster.
0: Excellent, and GDT certainly has done that over the last several years, investing in understanding the Juniper technologies and making sure that we have those guys on the bench, whether that be from a pre-sales perspective to help architect the solution to the guys that actually go ahead and uh, do all the installations and optimization. At the beginning of the show, Mark, I talked a little bit about what happened in the past in technology. So I'm going to give you a little homework assignment here. Can you give us a glimpse into what is coming next that can use this AI technology from Juniper? Perhaps your predictions will be referenced 50 years from now, maybe by somebody using whatever platform comes after podcast technology. They'll probably just beam it straight into our minds by then.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, a lot of it's software-based. You know, A lot of different capabilities within software. I know some of the, the next generation things that are coming out, obviously our AI SD-WAN is now in production uh, as of last month, um, which has been amazing because SD-WAN technology has traditionally been very complex, very, uh, very very hard to configure and manage. We've made that process a lot simpler and completely changed the way it's done with Tunnelless SD-WAN. Uh, we acquired a company called Sands. And this is the next generation of NAC, AI-based NAC. So that's something you're gonna see coming out. So you're gonna get a lot of themes about security here, right? Security is absolutely critical. Um, there's other things that we've done um, with uh, regards to how to better deploy and architect networks and wireless networks. So we're releasing these new features where you can do these auto designs of where to do AP placement versus having to do on-site site surveys, making things simpler to design. Um, We're adding more capabilities to Marvis. Uh, We're we're coming out with a a Windows client um, that can be on the PC to gather even more information to have Marvis be smarter, to troubleshoot even more. Um, So that's some of the big things that are coming out. But I think down the line, the other things you're gonna see is more of our security portfolio integrated into the Mist AI cloud. Uh, You're going to see every product go in there. So the non-traditional campus and branch products like routers. You know things like that that are going to be able to utilize that AI technology. Uh, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, whether it's your your data center, your your service provider networks, your campus and branch. So that's really where it's going. And because it's AI, it's getting smarter and smarter and smarter every day.
0: Well, Mark, that's exciting, and I know I'm speaking for everybody at at GDT as a Juniper Elite Plus partner. We're excited to see where you guys take it from here. So if you would. Where can our listeners go to get more information on Juniper's great solutions that you spoke about today?
1: Yeah, you're happy to uh, go to uh, www.juniper.net, not .com. A lot of people make that mistake. So juniper.net. If, you, if you're interested in the AI-driven enterprise, you can go into the solutions pages. There's a wealth of information there, a wealth of case studies, customer, you know, business outcomes. One of the things you'll notice about the way we deliver our messaging is everything is about a business outcome. You don't buy you know, networking just to buy networking. You have a business reason for doing it. So there's a lot of stories of how we've solved problems for our customers, how we've improved their experience, uh, and all those different types of things with this technology. So you can go there, and there's a wealth of information out there.
0: Thank you very much, Mark. Great having you on the show with us today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Mist AI uses a combination of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and data science techniques to Optimize user experiences and simplify operations across the wireless access, wired access, and SD-WAN domains. With MIST-AI, operators save time and money with faster problem resolution and fewer on-site visits. Users benefit from a network infrastructure that is more predictable, reliable, and measurable. For more information on Juniper Networks, MIST-AI, or even get a chance to talk to Marvis, visit their website at juniper.net. If you would like to see a demo or put together a proof of concept, you can visit us at gdt.com and we'll bring our technical experts to the table to walk you through it. You can even reach me at the show by email at podcast at For Mark Thames, I'm Kirk Nordquist, and this is The Digital Matrix. Thanks for listening. Okay, That is a wrap. All right. All right. I'm going to start it and play it and see how the levels sound to us.
1: Okay.
0: Thank you for listening to The Digital Matrix with Kurt Nordquist. For more information on the technologies discussed on today's show, you can email kurt at podcast at Please be sure to follow us at The Digital Matrix for more cool tech content on future podcasts.